0: How many of you have ever had a moment in your life where you had wished that your default knee-jerk reaction had been different? Maybe you had wished your knee-jerk default reaction to something had been a little more gracious. Maybe you had been a little more kind. I mean, maybe it wasn't even something you said, but in your mind, (laughs) you were letting that person have it. I mean, all of us have been there before, right? Where we're driving down the road at what we think is a pretty reasonable speed. And we're going along our merry way, onto wherever it is we're going. And as we're just cruising right along, some person comes flying by you in their car, just flying, weaving in and out of traffic. And as you see that person driving so fast down the road, your knee-jerk thought is, what an idiot. Or maybe you were driving down the road, and you were the one that was going fast, right? Like it's 1055, and you're on your way to the second service, and you live 10 minutes away, and you're like, man, I overslept, and I'm on my way, and I'm, I'm driving as fast as I can. We're flying on angel's wings to get to church. And as you're going, you're making a good speed, you get stuck. We had somebody driving really slow. (laughs) And as you get stuck behind that slow person, you could feel the frustration rising up within you. And your hands start to get tense on the steering wheel. And you start to sit up and you take a more aggressive position behind the wheel. And you get frustrated, you get annoyed. I mean, driving tends to be one of those things that kind of reveals our sanctification, does it not? Uh, But the truth is, driving is somewhat of a safe example. Let's get a little more real this morning. How many of you have ever had moments where you wished, maybe if you're a parent, you hadn't blown up at your kids again? Yeah, what they did was wrong, but man, so was the way you responded. And after the situation's kind of calmed down, you're kind of kicking yourself, thinking, man, I wish it would have been more gracious. I wish it would have been more loving. Maybe you want to, or you find yourself uh, griping about your job, or you find yourself griping about the situations in your life, and you know you shouldn't. You know you should be thankful for where you're at, but it just seems like you just can't stop complaining. You find yourself in situations like, man, I can't believe I gossiped again. Man, I can't believe I did that again. I can't believe I thought that again. Maybe you're sitting here today and the default thinking of your mind tends to lean towards worry instead of trust. And you, you don't want to worry. I mean, nobody enjoys worrying. You, you, you don't want to worry, but you just find yourself, that's kind of, it's just where you tend to default to. You tend to worry about what's going on and not trusting God. You, you don't want to be stressed out all the time, but you do. I mean, you want peace, right? We want joy. We want faith, hope, and love. We want that to be our daily experience, but sometimes it just seems so elusive, I mean, we get glimmers of it when everything seems like it's going well, and we're at church, and yeah, my wealth is on the cross, and I'm experiencing joy, and it's all good. But sometimes that's not the normal, default, routine experience of your life, and it can be frustrating. Uh, we we, we want to grow, but we don't, and we're left unsatisfied. And then we're not satisfied with the fact that we're unsatisfied because we know we're supposed to be satisfied. <laughs> and it's just like this downward cycle. You see, difficult situations, they, they tend to reveal where we need to grow. But oftentimes, we're lost as to how we actually do grow. I mean, we're very aware of our sin. We're very aware of the tendencies of our flesh. We know where we tend to lean when we shouldn't. We know what we tend to think when we shouldn't. I mean, we're thankful that in Christ we're accepted and beloved. We're thankful that God has made us holy and righteous and that our new nature has been made pure. We're we're thankful for all that, but how many of you, you're like me, where you you wish that was more of your daily experience and not just a theological position? And we see that gap between who we know we are in Christ and the way we live our life. And that gap sometimes can be frustrating. It can be difficult when we, we, we have this desire to functionally grow into who Christ has made us to be, but it's frustrating when we see that gap between where we are and where we would want to be. And so what we do is oftentimes we go out and we look for this silver bullet, right? Like, I just got to find this silver bullet. I just got to find this book. I just got to find this nugget of truth. I just got to find whatever it is that's going to instantly fix my problems, that's instantly going to close that gap. I got to find whatever it is. And so we go out and we search for this magic bullet, or we go out with fresh determination and fresh zeal thinking, this will be the time that I grow. This will be the time that I change. This year is going to be the year that I finally make all the changes that I've been wanting to make, and I finally can live in light of who Christ has made me to be but what we're going to see this morning in our scripture passage is that there's no silver bullet and what paul is going to show us in colossians we actually don't have what it takes to grow i mean put that on a motivational poster right you don't have what it takes sorry try again <laughs> but what paul is going to show us is that we actually already have everything that we need to grow in christ Paul's going to show us look you don't have to run around frustrated. You don't have to run around uh, like a chicken with his head chopped off trying to grow. You don't have to be frustrated. You don't have to be annoyed. You can actually experience satisfaction in how you're growing as a Christian. You can grow into the person that God has created you to be. Turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read verses 9 through 14 this morning. Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 14. Then we'll read verses 21, 22, and 23. If you are physically able, I'd like to invite you to stand we read God's Word together this morning. We're currently in a series of messages entitled Secrets to a Satisfied Life. Secrets to a Satisfied Life. And we're looking at how the person and work of Christ is enough to bring us satisfaction. Christ is enough. And this morning we're going to look at a message entitled, Christ is enough for our growth. Let's read verses 9 down through verse number 14. The Bible says, for this reason, since the day we have heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. So Paul is saying, since we got this report from Epaphras, we learned that last week. Paul says, from the moment we got that report, we haven't stopped praying for you. His ministry team, they have been consistently praying for this church. He says, we're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the saints' inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his Son, in whom we have redemption, excuse me, the kingdom of the Son, whom he loves, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of Sins. Now, verses 15 through verses number 20, as Paul is describing their salvation, as he's encouraging the church, hey, we're praying that you'll be thankful for the fact that you're saved, he kind of breaks out into this praise song. Right in the middle of describing salvation, he breaks out into this hymn of Christ, and he's praising Christ for who he is and how awesome he is, and then once we get to verse 21, he brings it back around to salvation. And so what we're going to do is next week, we're actually going to take a deeper dive into verses 15 through 20, But this week, what we're going to do is we're going to allow those verses to inform our context while we take the deeper dive next week. So verse 15, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Verse 21, Once you were alienated and hostile in your minds, expressed in your evil actions. But now He has reconciled you by His physical body through His death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before Him. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith, and are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This gospel has been, has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. Let's pray, then we'll jump into our message. Christ is enough for our growth. Father, we love you so much. And we thank you how that even though we were alienated and hostile in our minds towards you, you reconciled us. You redeemed us. So that ultimately you could present us wholly faultless and blameless before you. Father, I pray that we would see as we study your word this morning how the person and work of Christ can bridge that gap so that we can experience growth into who God has saved us to be. We love you. We ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Right as we begin our study this morning, we're going to notice the prayer for growth. The prayer for growth. In the first several uh, verses of chapter 1, the Apostle Paul starts this letter, he starts that chapter by telling the Colossians different things that he's willing to praise them for. They say, man, we're praising you for your faith. We're praising you for your hope and for your love. We're praising you for allowing the gospel to produce fruit in your lives. Now in verse 9, he switches gears a little bit and he moves from praising this church to sharing how he wants to pray for this church. And this says, this is my prayer for you. This is what I want God to do in and through your life. He's saying, I want God to grow you. And by extension, Paul is praying that God would grow us. So how do we grow as believers? Well, first of all, We need to allow our minds to be filled with knowledge, with the knowledge of God's will and wisdom and spiritual understanding. The word fill here means literally to be completely filled up, like to the brim, to the point it is stuffed. It is complete. The idea is that we are so filled with God's will to the point it has a controlling influence over our lives. I am so stuffed. I am so, my mind is completely crowded with God's will to the point it now has a controlling influence in my life. Uh, Max Anders, in his commentary on the book of Colossians, said this. He said, being controlled by God's will will cause us to do things that we might not otherwise do. Things like enduring rather than giving up. Things like being patient with others rather than getting angry with them. He goes on to say, the knowledge and control of God's will comes through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He tells us that this is more than just intelligence. Being filled so completely with God's will to the point of spiritual wisdom and understanding, this is not just learning new information. It's not just filling up our minds with facts. He says this is more than simple intelligence. Wisdom refers to the comprehension of truth, while understanding refers to the application of truth. So it's not just filling up our minds, that's where it starts, but it's filling up our minds to the point where it affects how we think and what we believe, and then ultimately, how we live our lives. He says being controlled by God's will means believers comprehend the principles of Scripture and then put them into practice. And so Paul is praying that we would grow to a place where what God says has the ultimate influence in our life. It has the ultimate influence in what I think. It has the ultimate influence in what I believe. It has the ultimate influence in what I do. People that are centered on Christ, the living word, are always centered on the Bible, the written word. And so if we're going to grow as believers, we need to grow in filling our minds with all wisdom and spiritual understanding, with God's will, so that it can impact the way we live our lives. We experience spiritual growth when we grow in comprehension of the Word of God, when we grow in application to the Word of God. And the more we grow in our knowledge of God, the more we know God's character, the more we know God's ways, the more we know His thoughts and His expectations, and the more we'll be able to bring our lives into accordance with His will. However, simply knowing is never enough. Like Max Andrews said, like we're going to see Paul unpack for us here in a minute. Simply knowing intellectually is never enough. The only thing knowledge grows in and of itself is our ego. (laughs) So it's not just enough to just know. We actually have to put into practice what we learn. We have to live out what we learn by the grace and strength of God. There needs to be application first to our minds with what we believe. Sometimes we mistakenly think application is just affects what we do. It does, but it also affects what we believe, affects what we think. So we need to apply it to our belief and then apply it to our lives. This, star- this starts with growing in our knowledge of God. And then in verses 10 through 14, Paul explains why the purpose of being filled. It's not just to be full. It's not just to be complete in and of itself. He says in verse number 10, it's so that we can walk worthy of the Lord. Now the phrase walk worthy of the Lord refers to our conduct. This refers to the way we live our lives. This refers to what we do, what we think, what we say, how we act. Walking worthy of God is not about making God love us more. We can't, we can't. We saw that last week. God's love for us is unconditional. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more. Walking worthy of God is not about making God love us more. It's more about becoming an accurate reflection of who God is. It's saying my life is becoming more and more to the point where it looks like Jesus More and more, my life demonstrates how Jesus lived his life. So it's coming into alignment with who God is. Paul is praying that we would grow more and more into looking like Jesus. So we see we walk worthy. How do we walk worthy? Well, first of all, Paul tells us in verse 10 that we bear fruit in every good work. We bear fruit in every good work. You see, good works are not a means of grace. We don't do good things so that we can earn God's grace. We don't do good things so that we can earn God's love. We don't do good things so we can earn God's favor. We do good things because we have God's love. We do good works because we have God's acceptance. We do good works because we have God's love. Good works are not a means to grace, but a result of grace. Authentic saving faith always produces good works. And Paul told the church at Ephesus, this is why you are saved. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God has prepared ahead of time for us to do. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. He has a mission for each and every one of us to do. And the Apostle Paul says we grow when we live out his mission for us. Sometimes we get the wrong idea that we need to grow before we can do. We think, I just got to grow to a certain point before I can be on God's mission. I just got to grow to a certain point before I could do. But when we think I need to grow before I do, that actually hinders my growing. We don't grow before we do, we grow by doing. Paul is telling us one of the ways we grow is by becoming active in God's plan for your life, by actively doing good works. And not just doing good works, but actually bearing fruit in them. God wants you to be successful at good works. God wants you to experience success in what he has called you to do. We don't grow before we get involved. We grow by getting involved. We grow by bearing fruit in every good work. We also walk worthy of God when we endure with patience, joy, and thanksgiving. Uh, If you've been a Christian a long time, you maybe have said this. You've definitely heard it. Uh, But how many of you, you've ever heard somebody say, I don't like praying for patience. (laughs) I like praying for patience because, why? You know, if you pray for patience, God will give you opportunities to be patient. Which means you will be encountered with things that make you impatient. As a dad, I hesitate to pray. God, help me be patient with my kids. Because that means my kids are going to be psycho tomorrow and I'm going to have to be patient with them. But here's the truth. Paul knows growing spiritually is hard work. Paul knows it's outside of our comfort zone. That's why he says, I'm praying that you would have endurance. What you could endure with patience and joy and thanksgiving. You see, the reason we don't like to pray for patience, I'm picking on that right now, the reason we don't like to pray is because we don't like to be confronted with our own need for growth. I would rather stay comfortable than be confronted with my own shortcomings and how I need to grow. So instead of relying on God to grow, we would rather avoid our need to grow. But here's the truth. Nothing grows inside of its comfort zone. Nothing. I mean, even, you can even go to nature and see this. In order for a seed to grow into this big, amazing tree or this beautiful plant, it first has to be buried in the dirt where that seed then has to die. It is broken apart in order for something to grow. I mean, everything that is born on this planet is born through pain. I mean, if you've had the privilege of seeing a child be born into the world, you know this. If you've brought a child into this world, you definitely know this on a whole new level. There is pain, there is screaming, mom is screaming, baby is screaming, doctor is giving orders, dad is over here passed out on the ground because it's a whole ordeal. But it's through that pain that a new life is brought into the world. You see, nothing grows inside of its comfort zones. Even my own kids, I mean, they get such bad growing pains. They're all at that age where, except the baby, but they all get growing pains at night, and they'll just start crying at night. You know, mommy, daddy, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. What hurts, But My legs, they hurt. Why? Because he's growing. He's getting growing pains. We don't grow by staying inside our comfort zone. Because inside of our comfort zone, nothing is going to confront us with our need to grow. And so Paul is praying that I'm praying that you'll have endurance and patience with joy and thanksgiving because growth is hard. We have to step outside of our comfort zone. This is why Paul prays that we would lean into the messiness of our growth. Lean into it with endurance. Lean into it with patience and joy and giving thanks to God that you're saved. I mean, think about this for a moment. Paul is praying that we would walk worthy of God. Now, hear me when I say this. The only way that we can walk worthy of God, the only way that we can lean in with endurance, because remember we said at the beginning, in our own strength, we can't, right? There's a reason we like to stay inside of our comfort zone. It's comfortable. That's our natural bent apart from Christ. But Paul is saying, I'm calling you out of that. I want you to walk worthy of God. I want the way you live, the way you act the way you think, the way you entertain yourself, the way you work, the way you talk, the way you interact with other people. I want it all to walk. Be worthy of God, the holy, omnipotent, all-powerful creator of the universe. And here's the truth. In and of ourselves, we can't do that. The weight of that is too heavy. But Paul doesn't just leave us under that weight. He actually gives us good news. You see, the only way we can grow into the believer's That Paul is praying we would grow into is through the gospel of grace. Growing hard is spiritually, yes. That's why Paul prays we would have endurance and patience. But friends, there is good news. Paul doesn't leave us under that weight. He says, hey, there is hope. There is a source that allows you to grow. That's why he says you have the power of God according to his glorious might. You see, the good news is we don't have to avoid difficult situations that reveal our need to grow. I don't have to avoid praying that God will grow me. I don't have to avoid my need for growth. Why? Because we can be strengthened with God according to His glorious might. Not my might. Not your might. Not a, no, God's might. We can be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might so that we can have endurance. So that we can have patience even with ourselves. I mean, oftentimes when we think of patience, we think about patience with other people. But when we're talking about our own need to grow, if you're like me, often you get very impatient with yourself, don't you? You think, I should be farther than this now. I shouldn't be struggling with this again. Why, why, why? We we get so impatient with ourselves to the point we want to throw up our hands in the air and quit. But Paul is saying, you have the power of God available to you, and that supernatural patience is going to allow you to grow, to lean into the messy middle of your spiritual growth with patience and joy. I mean, he told the church at Romans, we also rejoice in our afflictions. What? Paul's like, we can rejoice in the messy middle of our spiritual growth. Why? Because affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character. Proven character produces hope. This hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through this Holy Spirit who has given unto us. This is how we grow. I mean, look at the pattern. There's affliction, then there's endurance, then there's proven character, then there's hope. Paul said, this is how you grow, and you can rejoice, you can lean into the messy middle because you have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. On our own might, we will not have the endurance to grow, but with God's might we do the supernatural endurance that God gives will allow us to be faithful over the course of our life. Through the messiness of life, through the messiness of our own sanctification, through the messiness of the sanctification of the people in our lives, we can be faithful because God gives us supernatural endurance. The supernatural power that he gives us will enable us to be joyful and give thanks to God for our salvation, even when we fail. Even when we're in the messy middle of our growth, Paul says you can give thanks to God because you're saved because you're not what you used to be. No, it's true, I am not where I want to be, but I can joyfully give thanks to God that I'm not where I used to be, and that God has changed me, and he has saved me. And yeah, I still got a lot of growing to do, but I can be thankful that God has taken me this far. The supernatural patience that God gives allows us to be long-suffering with people and not retaliate. When we're wronged or when we're irritated, it keeps us from throwing our hands up in the air and just quitting on God. While our need to grow is incredibly overwhelming, The good news that the power of God is available, made possible to us by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can walk worthy of God. Not in our own strength, but, but, but because we have the power of God, we can. You can walk worthy of God. You can live a life that pleases God. We don't have to shy away from difficulties. We can lean into them head on because we have the power of God. All of his glorious might is backing up your growth. And so we can lean into the messiness of it. We don't have to shy away. We can have that endurance and that patience. This is such an amazing truth that Paul prays that we would joyfully give thanks to God for our salvation. And as Paul is encouraging us with our salvation, he's also showing us how our salvation is the means of our growth. He starts this in verse 21 by appealing to who we were before Christ. B.C., before Christ, before salvation. He says, we were alienated and hostile in our minds, which was then expressed through evil actions. He's like, it wasn't you by yourself before Christ that would allow you to grow. Before Christ, you couldn't grow. You were alienated. You were hostile in your minds. You were wicked through our evil actions, he says. But in Christ, now you've been reconciled so that one day you can present it holy, faultless, and blameless. He's showing us the start and the end. He's like, you were reconciled so that one day you can present it holy, faultless, and blameless before God. What an amazing confidence-building truth that he gives us. God is the one that's going to present us holy. God is the one that will present us faultless and blameless. And then Paul, he, he throws a monkey wrench all in it in verse 23. It's God that's going to do this. It's God that's going to present you holy, faultless, and blameless if. Whoa, 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 whoa. Back, back up the bus, Paul. What do you mean if? <laughs> it's either dependent on God or dependent or it's not. Like, Paul, Paul what do you mean if? If what? If you remain grounded if you remain steadfast. Okay, Paul, is it all on God or is it back on me now? Paul, I don't understand. And what Paul is doing is he we need to realize that his argument is not about our effort. Paul's not saying this so that we would run around and try really hard to make sure that we stay grounded so that we don't lose our salvation. That's not what Paul's doing. Paul is talking about not our efforts, but our dependence. Paul isn't saying if because... He wants us to run around worried. He's saying if because he's like, I just want to make sure you guys are depending on the right spot. I just want to make sure that this is real in your life. I just want you, I'm just wanting to make sure that your dependence is in the right place. So Paul is saying that you will be presented holy, and blameless if you remain grounded and steadfast. But then notice what Paul says in the book of Philippians. He tells us the one who actually keeps us grounded. In the book of Philippians, he tells us the one that keeps us steadfast. Philippians 1.6, I am sure of this that he who started a good work, he who reconciled you when you were once alienated Haas on your mind, will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ, presented holy, faultless, and blameless. Who is it the one that's carrying us? Who is the one that's keeping us grounded? Who is the one keeping us steadfast? It's Jesus. And so, yeah, you could say it's conditional, but Jesus meets the condition. Paul's not saying if so that we could run around and pull out our hair and be paranoid and wonder and thinking, oh, maybe we can't lose it. No, Paul is saying, look, Jesus has got you covered. I'm just saying if you remain grounded just to make sure that your dependence is in the right place. You see, Paul knew the heresies that had the potential to influence these people. And he knew the influences that we would have in our lives. And Paul is saying, look, I know what's being said. I know what people want you to believe. And I just want to make sure that this is real. I just want to make sure that Jesus is the one... That you are depending on. He does not say if so that we can run out and try harder, but to make sure that we are depending on Jesus. I mean, Jesus himself said, I give unto them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch them out of my hand, Jesus says. That includes us. I cannot snatch myself out of Jesus' hand. He says, My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. God's grace is greater than my shortcomings. No one is able to snatch him out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. I believe the Apostle Paul was confident of the Colossian salvation. That's why in the first chapter he talks about all the fruit of the gospel. That's why in the next chapter he talks about how strong their faith was. But just as he's getting started and as he's talking about spiritual growth, he's like, I want to make sure that your dependence is on Jesus. So we've seen the prayer for growth. Now next let's notice the point of growth. You see, spiritual growth is not an end unto itself. We don't grow for the sake of growing. We don't grow just so we can give ourselves on the pat on the back and say, "Woohoo, look at me. No, the point of growing is Jesus. Growing is a means to the end. The end is Jesus. So that we would walk worthy, fully pleasing unto him so that our lives would reflect who he is. But oftentimes in our attempts to grow, we actually miss the point of growth. We know it's hard work. We know it takes endurance, we know it takes patience, we know it takes, you know, we need, we can have joy in the middle. We know it's hard, and so sometimes because it's hard, we tend to swing to one of two extremes. Oftentimes, because it's hard, we run around and we look for that magic bullet, don't we? and we think, I just need to learn something new. Maybe there's this new book that's gonna give me the secret to my growth. Maybe there's this new study that's gonna give me the secret to my growth. Maybe there's a seminar, and it's gonna give me the magic bullet that'll magically fix all my problems, and it's gonna be great. And so, like one of the Colossian heresies, we run around, and we look for all kinds of new information, and we think, I just need to learn this, and I just need to read that, and I just need to do this study, and I just, I just, I just. And we run around looking for the silver bullet. We look around looking for new information that's gonna fix us, I mean, you could go to any bookstore, Christian or secular, and walk among shelves and shelves and shelves of books and studies that all promise, I've got the secret to your growth. But what happens is, we always end up left wanting more. I mean, we read the books, we do the studies, and we're left unsatisfied because our hope was in learning something new, not Jesus. Growing is not learning something new. Now, please don't misunderstand. I'm all for reading books. You should read. (laughs) Sometimes people say, I'm not a reader. Become one. (laughs) Reading is good. Reading a book that can point you to the finished work of Christ, reading a book in an area that you want to grow, showing you how Christ can grow you, can be a phenomenal tool of God's grace. But sometimes what I think happens is, in our quest to grow, we put our hope in the wrong place. There's nothing wrong with doing Bible studies. You should do Bible studies. But if your goal in that Bible study is to learn something new and not be pointed to Jesus, your goal, your motive, the point has been lost. It's in the wrong spot. You see, sometimes to grow, God doesn't want to teach us something new. He just wants to remind us of who Jesus is. Go do a study of all the times the apostles throughout the New Testament, or even the Old Testament for that matter, say, I want you to remember. (laughs) I want to remind you. I want to stir up what's already in you. Sometimes in order to grow, we don't need to learn something new. We just need to be reminded of who Jesus is. We just need to be reminded of what we already know. Maybe we need to live out what we already know. You see, sometimes we know the answer for our growth, and we just don't like it. And so we hide behind learning. We hide behind Bible studies. We hide behind, I just need more. I just need more information. I just need that silver bullet. We, we hide because we know the answer. We just Just don't don't like it. It's easier to sit and learn something new, right? It's easier just to sit and learn something new than be confronted with our need to grow and by the grace and power of God actually change. The point of growing in the knowledge of God is so that we can walk worthy, fully pleasing to him, not so that we can just store up a bunch of new information in our noggins. But there's another extreme that we tend to, because we know it's hard work, and sometimes these two extremes, they kind of bleed into each other sometimes. Um... But the other extreme, because we know it's hard work, we just set out and we think, okay, time to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. I'm actually wearing boots, and I can say that. That's cool. We are pull ourselves up by the bootstraps, and let's go make it happen. This is going to be the year. This is going to be the time. I'm going to be more disciplined. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do better than I've ever done before. And all of our dependence is just on ourselves. We're not depending on God. We're depending on us. And we think, this is going to be the time. I am going to do it if I just worked harder, if I just served more, if I just gave more, if I just witnessed more, if I just did more, did more, did more, did more. Friends, that's not a recipe for growth. That's a recipe for burnout. I'm getting exhausted just talking about it. Now, again, let me caveat. Growth doesn't, it's true, growth does not happen when we run around depending on ourselves trying to do all these things to make sure that we grow. But that doesn't mean growth happens when we just sit there okay, so God's going to be the one that grows me. That's not how we grow either. I love what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. Paul's saying, look, by the grace of God, I have grown. By the grace of God, I'm not what I used to be. I mean, remember how Paul got started? He was persecuting Christians, wanting to wipe out the church. In one passage of Scripture, he's sarcastic, saying, I had more zeal than anybody. I had so much zeal, I was going to wipe out the church. But Paul is saying, look, that's not me anymore. By the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I've changed. By the grace of God, I've grown. But, he says, on the contrary, I've worked harder than any of them. So Paul is saying, yes, it's the grace of God that has grown me. And then he says, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. So we know it's not about just running around trying to do extra, do extra, more and more, more, depending on ourselves. But the grace of God will lead us to work at our growth. The grace of God will lead us to put some feet to our beliefs and work at growing, all the while depending on God, not on our works. You see, the grace, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, we work hard at growing while keeping our dependence on Christ, not on our work. By the grace of God, we work hard at growing while keeping our dependence on God, not on our works. This happens as our minds are filled and controlled with the knowledge of God and all wisdom and understanding, which, remember, that means doing what the Spirit wants us to do, not just stuffing our brain with information. This means we live out what our new nature wants to do by faith. Paul says it a little bit differently in the book of Romans. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God because God has saved you, because God has changed you, because God has given you so much mercy, with all that in mind, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. There's the work. Because of God's grace and mercy in your life, your heart is so full of God's grace, your heart is so full of God's mercy, it's producing so much satisfaction in your life, we then, what do we do? Present our bodies a living sacrifice. We work harder than anybody holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. This is your reasonable sacrifice. In light of all that God has done for us, it just makes sense. And then he gives us the key in verse number two. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. Be transformed how? In the renewing of your mind. Huh. So in Colossians he says, be filled completely with the wisdom and the knowledge and understanding of God's will. In Romans, he's saying, renew your minds so that you may discern what is the perfect and acceptable and pleasing will to God. The Apostle Paul, oh, excuse me, the Apostle Peter, he says it this way, 1 Peter 1.13. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, there's the doing, there's the work, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded. Now get this, and set your hope completely on the grace brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter's saying, hey, work at it, but keep your dependence on God. And notice the theme. It starts in our mind. Paul tells Colossians, be filled in your mind. Paul tells Romans, renew your mind. The apostle Peter says, with your minds ready for action. You see, God has given the human brain this amazing ability to literally reorganize itself by forming new connections between brain cells or neurons. For adults, this happens anytime we learn something new or we memorize something. Each and every time we learn something, our brain forms new connections and neurons, making existing neural pathways either stronger or weaker. Neural pathways are the path your brain takes to find what it has learned. So the more we learn, the more we use what we learn, the more we think about, the more we meditate on a certain thing, the stronger the physical neural pathway in your brain is going to be to that information. Now, all of us have had that experience where we... Uh, thought we knew something, right, and we were like, man, I know I know this, I just can't remember it, and we're like, man, what is it, what is it, what is it, and then we can't remember, only to be, only to remember, like, the next day in the middle of the night, and you're like, why couldn't I think of that before, the reason is, you had a weak neural connection in your brain to that information, and it took your brain a long time to find it, sometimes what happens is, we don't ever find it, and when something is gone, gone, like, it is forgotten, literally what happened was, The neuron in your brain that stored that information physically faded out of existence. It just ain't there. We've all heard the phrase, you don't use it, you lose it. That's literally, physically what goes on inside your brain. But conversely, all of us have things where we could talk about, maybe it's a sports team. I could ask one of you, hey, tell me about the Dodgers. And you can quote off stats and facts and players and games won. Maybe it's something you do at your job and you're so familiar with it because you do it all the time, you just know the ins and outs of it? Why? Because your brain has strong neural pathways to that information, and it knows exactly where to go to find it. Now, here's the point. When the Bible tells us to renew our mind, it's literally telling us to rewrite our brains so that the truths of Scripture, with the truths of Scripture, so that we can be transformed. When Paul says, renew your minds, when Peter tells us to, hey, be ready with action in your minds, literally they're telling us, rewrite your brain with scripture so that we can be transformed, so that we can walk worthy of God. And as we, by faith, apply what we know and we live God's word out, those neural pathways in our brain become stronger and stronger and stronger. And now it's easier for us to default towards love. It's easier for us to default towards joy. It's easier for us to default towards goodness or faith or whatever, whatever it is. So in moments when we are confronted with a choice, as we renew our minds, our hearts will start to go straight towards what God would have us to do and our actions will soon follow. Our feelings will soon follow as we are renewing our mind. And as those neural pathways in your brain get stronger... Other ones are going to get weaker. And so as you renew your mind in the truth of God's word, those neural pathways that led to fear, that neural pathway that led to anger or to bitterness or to resentment or to worry or towards sin, they start to grow weaker and weaker and weaker. And over time, your default becomes the fruit of the spirit. Your default becomes the fruit of the gospel. Renewing your mind allows the fruit of the gospel to become the default of your life. And you'll find yourself your defaulting your default response is grace. It's mercy, it's patience, it's love. Your default action is to love, it's to give, it's to serve, it's to share Christ. This is how we grow. So we've seen the prayer for growth. Paul's like, "I'm praying that by the strength and power and might of God, you would grow so that you can walk worthy of him." We've seen the point of God's growth. It is to walk worthy it's not an ending of itself, it's not about finding new information, it's not just about doing new things, it's about walking worthy of God. Now let's look at the practices of growth. So let's bring our message full circle this morning. We started off by talking about areas we all need to grow, and we shared some humorous in- illustrations and some serious ones, and uh, most of us probably had something come to our mind, we had something come to our brain, we thought, man, that's an area I'd like to grow in. All of us have had moments where we wish we would have responded or did what was worthy of the Lord. So how do we grow to the point where what we want to be true is of our daily experience? You spend a lot of time with Jesus. (laughs) You spend a lot of time with the person of Christ. You spend a lot of time with the word of Christ. You spend a lot of time with the body of Christ. Now, at the the risk of being so simple, it's unhelpful, I want to give us several ways we can renew our minds, several ways that we can spend time with Christ Several things that we can do. Now, again, please remember, this is worth repeating. These things are not an end and of themselves. However, if there's a Christian who's serious about growing, I believe, based on Scripture, they will have these things in their life in some form or another. Remember what Paul said, I work harder than any of them, but not I, for the grace of God. So by the grace of God, how can we grow? First of all, pray for your own spiritual growth. Uh, I love what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it will be given unto you. All of us have areas we need to grow in. Have you asked God to help? Have you prayed, God, would you help me to grow in this area? And it's not an instant fix. It's not an overnight change. But if you ask God, would you help me? He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. Our text, this is Paul praying for spiritual growth for this church. Let's be the type of Christians that pray for our own spiritual growth. Find a passage of scripture that talks about an area you want to grow in. Maybe you want to grow in joy. Open up the Bible to the book of Philippians and look at all the ways the Apostle Paul talks about how our joy has been won for us and the cross of Jesus. And pray, pray, Holy Spirit, would you make these new realities my daily experience? Lord, I believe by faith that you have won for me joy. Would you help me to experience that joy when I am tempted to be unjoyful? Would you help me grow open up god's word and pray his word back to him so pray for your spiritual growth next read large portions of god's word and i say large on uh, on purpose you know that's kind of like counterintuitive normally people say we'll start with something small and kind of work your way up here's the truth we have so much things so many different uh inputs into our lives whether it's the radio whether it's the shows we watch it's netflix it's hulu it's sports it's our jobs There's so many things cramming into our brain. We need to combat that by allowing large portions or large time, a lot of time, in God's Word. We combat those other influences with the Word of God. Read large portions of the Word of God. The Apostle Paul, he asked the church at Ephesus, he says, you guys want to know how you can understand the mystery of Christ? Ephesians 3, 4, uh, read what I'm writing to you. He says, by reading this, you're able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. By reading, you want to understand Christ? You want to have the mind of God? You want to understand the will of God? Read the Bible. You see, this Bible was not given to us just to be a textbook with a bunch of information. This Bible is a window through which we can see God. And as we, by faith, approach the Word of God with hearts that are hungry and hearts that are desperate, God, I need you so bad today, I fall so short. Lord, I need your help. I need your strength. As you by faith read God's word like that, you will see God. John Piper says as you pick up your Bible, your aim is to see God. And as we by faith see him through reading, we become more like him. Paul told the church of Corinth, you become like Jesus by seeing Jesus. And the more you see Jesus, the more you become like him. So by faith, open up the word of God. Go home this afternoon Take 20 minutes and read through Psalm 119, and you'll see verse after verse after verse after verse encouraging you with the power of God in your life. We need regular rhythms in our lives where we can have, where we can take in large portions of the Word of God. One of my goals is here is to read through the New Testament six times. Old Testament once, New Testament six times. Why? Because I'm so spiritual? No, because I'm not. Sometimes the way I think, I'm, I'm with you guys, I'm like, man, why do I think that? Why do I worry? Why do I get so upset? We need lots of God's word in our life to renew our minds. So pray, read your Bible. We, we know the kid song read your Bible, pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. Sometimes I think as we get adults we try to make things so complicated, don't we? But just read your Bible, pray, next memorize scripture. Uh, I love what Colossians 3:16 says. It said the word of Christ, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How do we let the word of Christ dwell in us? How do we hide it in our hearts You memorize it? I believe memorization is one of the best ways to meditate on scripture. Because you're just repeating it over and over and over to yourself. You're thinking about it. You're meditating on it. You're chewing on it. Over and over and over until it literally becomes part of who you are. And not just in a a spiritual sense, but in a physical sense. It's literally becoming who you are. Why? So that we can have the mind of Christ, and as you fill up your mind with the Word of God, it is going to start to crowd out the worry. It's going to start to crowd out the fear. It's going to start to crowd out the sin. And so, again, now your default is love, joy. Your default is trust in God. Where there was once worry, and what do you know? It you're growing. Memorize Scripture. Next, spend time with other believers. God's given us the church for a reason. He gave us the church so that we could grow. If you read, uh, I won't read all the verses to you, uh, but Ephesians 4 through 16, there's three different times the Apostle Paul says the church is given to us for our growth. For our growth into maturity. For our growth into Christ. We are given the different parts of the body so that we can all grow in unity. For the growth of the body. For building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. I don't believe it takes a village, but I do believe it takes a church. Surround yourself with people who will help you reframe your thinking according to the word of God. And then five, align your life with God's mission. I mean, we're familiar with Matthew 28:18, right? Jesus said, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples. I believe one of the best ways you can position your life to grow is by coming more and more into alignment with God's mission. Because when you come into alignment with God's mission, you're going to step outside your comfort zone. And when you step outside your comfort zone, you're desperate for God and you're praying, Lord, I need you. (laughs) I need you. Help me. It's a perfect way to position your life to grow. Share your faith with someone. Disciple a new convert. Get involved in a next step Bible study. Here's, Here's the truth. Your flesh is going to give you a million reasons why you cannot grow. Your flesh will give you every reason why you can't you don't have the time that's not your gift you're too busy maybe you haven't grown enough your flesh will give you every reason why not to come into alignment with god's word friends let me encourage you to step out by faith anyway recognize that for what it is a lie of the enemy that's not who you are you are now completed and worthy of christ and you are his ambassador so bring your life step out by faith bring your life into alignment with god's word. Who in your life can you talk to about God? Think about it. Maybe it's a friend or a coworker. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's another parent at your kid's sporting event. Instead of allowing sports to be a hindrance from God's mission, use sports as a part of God's mission. Which parent who's on your kid's soccer team can you invite over for dinner so that you can share Christ with them, so that you can build a relationship with them? which neighbor in your neighborhood can you invite into your home to share a meal with so that you can share christ with bring your life into alignment with god's mission this will cause you to grow by leaps and bounds Uh, a few months ago i approached a couple in our connection group about getting involved in one of our ministries and i knew it was going to be a step of faith for them i knew it was going to be outside their comfort zone but i was like man we need help in this ministry." So I'm going to ask you because you're in my connection group. Sorry, group, but you guys are the first people I ask. <laughs> and so I asked them, hey, would you guys be involved in this ministry? This was their response to me. I literally went and looked it up yesterday. Their response was, okay, not my comfort zone. But I've learned with you all, it's not about comfort. It's about doing for others with an open heart. Now, when I read that text, I got so nervous. I was like, man, Lord, please help this work out for them. Like, they're stepping out on a limb. I'm stepping out with them. And if this limb breaks, we're both going to fall. It's like as a pastor, when you encourage people, hey, give, and God will take care of your needs. You're praying, Lord, please take care of their needs. Please take care of their needs. Like, hey, this isn't my comfort zone, but I've learned with you all. It's it's okay. I'll step outside. I'm like, Lord, please let this work out for them. I don't want this to go bad. You know what happened? They got involved. They stepped out by faith outside their comfort zone, and they served, and they loved it, and they grew. Every other month, I'll talk to them. Hey, how's it going? Oh, man, we love it. It's so awesome serving in this way. It's so awesome seeing the difference we get to make. Why? Because they stepped outside their comfort zone and God grew. They brought their life into alignment with God's mission. And they grew. Now, I know this list is by no means exhaustive. We did a series almost three years ago called Habits of Grace. I'd encourage you to go listen to that series. Lots of different ways where we can renew our minds and grow into who God has made us to be. But I want you to imagine, in conclusion... Imagine the part of your life that you so badly want to grow in. Imagine that, you're, that part of your life that you're like, man, I need change. We preached another series called Help I Need to Change. Go listen to that one. A lot of great stuff. But I want you to picture yourself growing in that area. Picture yourself walking worthy of God in that part of your life. Picture that part of your life being fully pleasing to God. Picture that part of your life looking like Jesus. Picture it. Cast a little bit of vision for yourself. I want you to imagine you at the end of your life having been faithful, having endured, having grown. And sure, you may be in a different spot than what you thought, but I want you to imagine looking back over the course of your life and saying, God, look what you did. Imagine experiencing consistent long-term growth. Okay, how do we do this? Let's boil this entire sermon down into four words, okay? And I realize I've been like a fire hydrant this morning giving you guys a ton of information, but let's boil it all down to four words. Know truth, live truth. Know the truth. Renew your mind with the truth. Study the scriptures. Find out who God is. Find out what makes God tick. Know God. no truth. But then don't just be content with knowing. Live it out. Ask the Holy Spirit, change the way I think. Ask the Holy Spirit, change the way I live. Know truth live truth. Christ has given us everything that we need to experience spiritual growth. Christ is enough for our growth. Let's pray.